This is episode 58 with Scott Volker of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crowdfunding Uncut and Scott Volker. Um, he is a podcaster with The Amazing Seller and topic of today is Amazon. Why I feel Amazon is relevant is because as I deal primarily in the physical product space for crowdfunding, crowdfunding is a great launchpad for your business, but I see it as a way to build a business online. And once you have a successful crowdfunding campaign, what is step two for you? And that's where you have a couple of options. One can be to build out an e-commerce profile on Shopify or your own website, or you can go the Amazon route, which brings you in front of a whole odd other audience that you may not have yet with your personal online website. And I've been meaning to reach out to Scott for a while because Amazon is just the logical next step if you were looking to build that business around physical products. And I really wanted to just ask you so many questions about how to actually do that and why it might be a good platform for, for certain people to get in. So Scott, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this stuff. And when you contacted me, I'm like, you are right. That is the next logical Let's step. Do this. And yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of people that don't even understand that um, Amazon yeah. is a place they can sell their products that they put so much hard work into. We always kind of talk about like, all right, what products are already selling? How can we sell something similar, mm -hmm. um, which is a great business model. But uh, you guys have already really figured out the product. You've did the crowdfunding. You've got the backers, all of that stuff. Well, now let's go ahead and let's get that thing selling on another channel. Exactly. Um, and and you know, honestly, selling on on your own website is another great option. But with Amazon, they've got the traffic, they've got the merchant account in place because you don't need a merchant account. They're going to fulfill it for you if you want to have them fulfill it. Drop shipping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got it. They've got it all done. Um, and that's what we call FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon. So you literally ship in your inventory. They fulfill it for you. They they charge you a fee for that. But hey, mm -hmm. it's like someone working for you to fulfill your unit so you don't have to do that. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. I know you have some questions, but um, you want me to just give a little bit of yeah, – Yeah, I, I mean I know you're the FBI, FBI, FBA Amazon guy. I'm like going to screw this up a lot. I love it. Um, whatever. It makes it fun and yes, it does. whatever. But you're the FBI A Amazon guy. I freaking did it again. And yeah, how did you get into becoming a successful Amazon store owner and like running the podcast and, and all that stuff? Yeah, well, it's a great story because, uh, you know, I'm no stranger to, to being online or selling online, uh, digital products, uh, my own stuff. But my wife and I started a photography business going back probably 15 years ago. Okay. Um, and we started from scratch, didn't know anything about photography, built that into a six-figure business locally. And then mm -hmm. I took that knowledge that I learned there and brought it online. And that's what introduced me to eBay, um, Etsy, um, all of these other platforms of selling digital products. Photoshop, I teach a lot of lessons on that, template cool. building for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so all of that stuff. So that kind of got my feet wet. And then I started hearing about Amazon and I'm like, what is this Amazon thing? Like I got to look into this thing. And so I did. And I was hearing people that were doing uh, what they call retail arbitrage, which is mm -hmm. basically where you go and you find like deals like at Target or Lowe's or any big box store. And then yeah. you would just buy them at a discount. You would sell them and then you would make the difference. 
cool, right? The problem yeah. with that for me was is that I was already doing pretty good stuff online and, and locally, and I'm like, that's a lot of work, like to go to a store, find a discount, close yeah. it out, all that stuff. But then I started hearing about this private labeling thing, and private labeling is really where you take a product that you have manufactured yourself, and then you sell that as your own brand. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what got me excited because it's the closest thing to a digital product. If I can find something that's already selling, do a better job with that product, make it better, launch it on Amazon, which has over 244 million active credit cards. They've got the traffic. They've got the merchant stuff in place. I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Let me give this thing a shot. So I think I invested like five grand in the beginning for product. I did some product research and stuff like that. And long story short, in the first uh, 90 days from launching, I did over $40,000 in revenue. Ooh. So it was like, wow. it was like okay, it's not a ton, but it's, it, it's, it's a start. And it was like, you know what? It, it validated that this is something I should probably look into. Right. Well, fast forward about 12 months, we did about 300,000 in revenue, um, about 16 or 17,000 units sold um, in my first year and just with two products at the time. Um, so I'm like, that's, that's pretty remarkable. And you know what? I should probably look at this. So I wasn't looking at building this as my primary business. I was looking at it as just you know, a place to, to uh, you know, add another revenue stream. So then the podcast came because I wanted to really teach other people and share what I was doing, but then also I wanted to align myself with other people that were doing better than I was, right? So this way yeah. I could learn from them. Um, so, and that, that's really where the podcast came from, and the podcast has just blown up. I mean, we've reached over 4 million uh, downloads now yeah. since we've launched about a year and a half later, um, and that's really kind of my story in a nutshell, and that's where I am today. So I help people get started online with their own physical products, um, and in this case, people that are doing, uh, you know, a Kickstarter program or, you know, a self-startup or whatever, um, it, it all applies to those people as well. Yeah. I've heard that, so I have a good friend who does Amazon, so I'm very familiar with the inner workings of like what it takes to be successful with that. But he mentioned that the the guys who do arbitrage and just reselling someone else's product have a bad name in the Amazon seller market. Um, so when you teach people, because you, um, you obviously teach people how to do this, like you just yeah. said, do you do more the sourcing and private labeling yes. only? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But here, here's the deal, though, on that. You know, and there might be a little misunderstanding with the retail arb and someone that's called a hijacker. There's okay. two different people there. Retail arbitrage, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because here's what you're doing. You go to Target. You see that there's a, a board game that people are buying, and it's made by Hasbro. Mm -hmm. Okay, You buy that. You buy 10 of them for 80% off because they're clearing the shelves. Right. You buy them. You sell them on Amazon. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. No. The problem is if I have a product – and I'm manufacturing that product, and then you go and you have a product created that's exactly like mine, and you try to sell it on my listing, that's not good. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that, that might be what your friend is talking about. Retail arbitrage isn't really that. Hijackers okay. are that. Yeah, and that's a big problem with big Amazon problem. sellers right now, but that's yep. an entirely different conversation. Yep. So great. I have my first question with Amazon is they try to protect their customer data as much as possible. So it makes it difficult if you're trying to build an e-commerce platform business specifically off Amazon. So have you tried to build an external email list or an external audience around your brand and take them off Amazon? Or how have you handled having that channel with it? Yeah, we are actually, we're actually doing that right now currently because I think that's very important, very yeah. important. Yeah. Um, I, I come from the digital, uh, you know, you know, products world um, in the photography space. I mean, my wife and I, we, we still do. We have products that we sell digitally uh, for the photography market, um, and I'm a big believer in that. Um, but uh, your email list 
is everything. And you're right, Amazon does protect that. Um, now, there are a couple things you can do. You can have insert cards, and you can do it the ethical way of doing it. Where of course. You're, you're having them either give you a warrant, you know, you're having them sign up for a warranty or you're having them sign up for more resources to help use the product. That's a way to get them. It's a low conversion rate, I'll be honest with you, because people actually have to enter their email address and, um, you know, or they have to click on, they can't just click on a link, they have to enter the actual URL. Yeah. Um, but the other way um, that you can do this is not necessarily even worry about the Amazon customer that's coming off of there, but really taking that product as well mm -hmm. and then just creating your own sales funnel. And that's something that I'm currently working on like right now, like taking Facebook traffic, driving them to a landing page that gives them a free offer of some kind or a discounted offer, capturing the email, and then following up with content, useful content, creating a blog around that market. Um, and that's okay. really where you can scale that business. So you move emails over from Amazon, buy an insert, and then just create normal sales funnel. Yep. Or, yep. got it. Oh, because you're retargeting. Well, or, yeah. Well, okay. you know, the, 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 the thing is that you what you would do, if you're going to directly get them off of Amazon, you're going to have to have an insert card that goes in your packaging exactly. that go says, to go to xyz.com to receive uh, these free uh, tutorials on how to use your new whatever. And then they go there, they enter their email address, they get the free videos, and then now you know that they're your customer. <laughs> the, 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 with Facebook, it's different. We're not necessarily saying that they're our Amazon customer. They're just someone that's interested in our product. In so your that's brand. An okay. Yeah. Got that's it. an external traffic source. Oops, Fantastic. I did it again. I forgot to thank our friends over at BackerKit for sponsoring this episode. If you guys are looking at physical products and wondering how the heck you're going to fulfill them, BackerKit has an amazing software platform that can help you fulfill orders once your campaign is done. And they can handle customer upsells, surveys, and all that stuff so that you don't need to get lost in spreadsheets once your campaign is over. You can actually focus on selling and doing what you are supposed to do, which is take care of your customers um, and be the front of the business as opposed to as I said, get lost in spreadsheets because it is no fun. You can head over to backerkit.com for more information. So one of my clients, he got really excited when I mentioned who I was speaking to today. So he nice. gave me a ton of questions for you, um, which I'm going to focus on that because that's what the crowdfunding um, creator really is dying to know. Sure. So let me just open this up. So first off, in terms of Okay, well, these are more sourcing things. In terms of... We can talk about sourcing, too, if you want. I don't care. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about that. In terms of... Okay. But if most people that are doing a crowdfunding, they probably already got the product sourced or where they're exactly. going to do that stuff, right? So my, my question is, A, if you... Just say you aren't sure whether Amazon is the right channel for you because there may be a lot of competition. If you have a campaign that is in a hot, popular topic where there seems to be a lot of products on, on Amazon already, is that a good time to go in? Or do you specifically look to put your product in if it's like a niche that doesn't have a lot of competition? Like, How do you know when your thing is going to have a good chance of survival on Amazon? Well, yeah, I mean, there's no really sure bet. And again, we're playing in their sandbox. So there's never a, a right time or when or if you're to me, it's like if I'm talking to the person that's doing a crowdfunding and they've got it all together and they're going to sell it to those people once the thing closes and they get the product and all that stuff. Yeah. Now, your next your next question is, OK, where do I get that product in front of other people that want to know about my product? Well, naturally, 
just put it on Amazon, like perfect. Like just put it on there. Don't worry about competition. Let, you know, optimize the listing, do everything that I always talk about on my podcast as far as like yeah. optimizing it, making sure that you get quality reviews, making sure that um, you run some Amazon pay-per-click. You can run their, their you know, on a sponsored ads in there, like do all of that stuff. Awesome. But secondary, you're going to want to do what we just talked about. You're going to want to go to Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest and you're going to want to find the pond of where your customers are swimming, the fish are swimming and then you want to cast your line in with your bait and then basically attract them. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the that's the name of the game. And then exactly. once you understand that, um, then you can basically then scale the business, you know, as as, as much as you want. Um, but I don't in I'm talking to a different person than I'm normally talking to. I'm talking to someone that's already got a product exactly that's picked, it's already created. You guys have kind of made it probably proprietary. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so it's different, right? So just put it up there, optimize it, do great pictures, uh, get get good reviews, uh, take care of your customers and just let it happen. Um, and then from there, it's all about the external traffic source. Yeah. So a few things. This is something that's definitely relevant. Um, crowdfunding requires sourcing manufacturing, sourcing product, uh, sourcing quality manufacturers. And I'm wondering what is, when you are sourcing material, what are some big things that you look for in a good supplier? Well, number one, depending on where you're finding the supplier. So first off, it's finding a good agent, right? So okay. whether you have connections or not, um, you can go to a place like Upwork.com and, and find people that will will find you a sourcing agent by your mm. criteria. Okay. But it's really about finding the agent. The other place is Alibaba, AliExpress. Those are two companies that are pretty well known. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to use those, you, you definitely want to make sure that you check a couple filters. There's a filter called um, – it's a gold supplier. The gold supplier will weed out anyone that doesn't uh, doesn't belong there because um, Alibaba is going to kick them out right. um, if they've had any, any issues. Um, secondly, I would look and follow up and see if they have their own website. Um, and then secondly – I would probably have an inspection company go to the facility and take pictures of it before I would source. So I'm curious why you would outsource some of the finding a good agent or finding a good supplier as opposed to going to China yourself or per doing it personally other, right? because I'll tell you why personally because I don't want to go to China myself. <laughs> but it's That's great. first thing. Yeah, okay, because I, I mean I'm all, I mean we didn't talk about this. I'm a family guy. I've got three kids. I'm a, I don't want to go to China for two weeks. Yeah. It just doesn't interest me. I'd rather pay someone to go to China and then come back and give me all my data. Um, so that's it for leveraging time. Um, I have no desire to go there. Um, so if I did, then I would go and I would do that. You're right because then you can go see the factory. But I would hire someone there on the ground that's already there. They do this for a living. They're an inspection company. You hire them to go in, meet with the people on your behalf, and you pay them 400 or 500 bucks. Yeah. You know what Plus I mean? Like quality control. Yeah. 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 And, and the quality control would come down to, with a third party inspection company. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of topwininspections.com. That's one that uh, yeah. a lot of my students are using. Okay. Um, and they're very strict, but sometimes too strict. And it's okay. I'd rather have them too strict than not strict enough. And they'll basically send a lot of red flags up for things that we might say, nah, that's okay, though. We're okay that. There's a little fray on the on the thread that they didn't trim or something like that, right? right. Um, okay. But they're over the top, and they're like 350 bucks to inspect your order before it actually gets released. Okay. You know, before you release that next uh, bit of money. Fantastic. And when you actually have a listing, um, would you recommend starting with okay? Because some crowdfunding campaigns they'll have the main product and then they'll have the accessories. Sure. Would you start with one product listing 
and optimize it and focus on that before introducing more? Or would you just recommend having multiple listings? Well, if you have all those products, I would do multiple listings okay. um, just because they're there. Um, and then I might just focus on the one right now, but I would still have those there because they're naturally going, going to be, you know, cross selling, yeah. um, you know, inside of there. Or if you have a product and then you have variations underneath that product, then you want to put them like if you have a red, blue and green one, well, naturally you're going to want to create the listing and then have those variations underneath it. So people can make that choice can cross. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, because it's yeah. really important because Amazon is a great platform for them to cross promote to your customer yeah. or their customer, right? Especially so accessories. I mean, yeah, accessories is huge. That's so important. Like when I bought uh, the Rode microphone a few weeks ago, they didn't, I mean, sure, you could buy it in a pack, but generally you buy the three separate units and they're saying, sure. okay, here's the mic, but then, hey, customers also like the stand and the pop filter and the this and the that, exactly. right? And then um, normally you're going to click, I want all. I want to click everything. Yeah. One, yeah. one click and it puts everything in your cart. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, one thing that really matters, uh, so you keep mentioning good reviews, good photos, and optimizing your listing. Yeah. There are so many review services. Would you recommend paying top dollar for review companies or more just pushing your customers to give you reviews? Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it, it, again, if you're, if you're running a crowdfunding uh, campaign, then you probably have a way to communicate with those people that backed you. Mm -hmm. Correct. You I mean, I, Cause I, I'm not familiar with that, with that process. Yeah. Okay. So if you're able to get to do that, then what you could do is you can say, Hey, if you want to do me a favor, head over to Amazon and buy a second one of the one that you just bought, I'll give you 50% off. Who cares? Right. You're going to cover mm. the cost. Yeah. And now those people can go buy a second one for 50% off through Amazon. It's going to spike your, your sales. It's going to spike your rank mm -hmm. and you're going to start ranking for keywords. And then you, those people you can then follow up with and say, Hey, if you can do me a quick favor, go over to Amazon, make, you know, let them know that I'm taking care of my customers and let them know if you were happy or unhappy. I would love to hear it. Mm -hmm. And just tell them you want your honest ethical, you know, review. You don't want to say, Hey, only give me a five-star review. You want to say, yeah. give me a, an, you know, an honest, unbiased review. Um, and, and that would be my first thing with, with a, someone that's doing a, uh, you know, kind of a, um, a Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Now the, the second thing is, um, you know, there is programs that can automate an email inside of Amazon for you. Um, the one that I use is Salesbacker. It's okay. called salesbacker.com. Chris Guthrie, he's been in the e-commerce Amazon space for a long time. He built a software that, that basically automates this. It's like an autoresponder for your Amazon customers. Oh. Um, and that basically, what that allows you to do is it allows you to then do after, you know, after they've received the item, it's been delivered, Mm -hmm. They'll get an email that says, hey, so-and-so, thank you so much for purchasing your new garlic press or whatever. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much and wanted to make sure that you received everything on time and everything was, you know, satisfactory. And, uh, oh, by the way, here's uh, a PDF with uh, 10 recipes to use with your new garlic press. Have a great day, whatever, right? And then mm -hmm. maybe five days later, you send them another one and say, hey, just checking back in with you. I want to make sure everything is cool. And hey, could you do me a quick favor? Amazon wants to make sure that we're taking care of our customers. Can you go over and let them know if I did a good job or not? That would be awesome. Give them a link. Boom. You get a review. Oh, I love so you that. Can automate that. Yeah. You can automate yeah. that process so easily with that. It's, it's like you manually text or uh, typing an email, um, but it's automatically done behind the scenes. Oh, that is awesome. Now you yeah. mentioned spike your rankings when you launch. Uh, the way Kickstarter work, Indiegogo work is it is so critical to gain momentum on site to have a lot of early sales on the, like as soon as you launch. Do, does Amazon work that way? Oh yeah. Too? 
so it's yeah. timing of when you launch an activity on your page within hours of when you launch it is important. Yeah, well, here, okay. here's, here's, here's usually generally a, just a quick version of how I launch a product, and depending on how competitive it is. Yeah. But if I, if I know that my competition is selling 20 units a day, mm -hmm. then I want to sell 20 units a day consistently for like five to seven days. Okay, why is and that? I, like... Well, because I want to match what they're doing, okay. right? So if they're, if they're here on number one and I'm nowhere to be found, but I can show Amazon that I'm selling 20 a day, then they're naturally going to move me up close to them, okay. right? Okay. Now I'm going to be on page one. So I may say, you know what? I'm going to give away 100 units for basically free just so I can get that sales volume going and I'm going to start my reviews coming in naturally. Um, and then this way here, it kind of spikes the algorithm inside of Amazon. The beautiful thing with, with uh, you know, a crowdfunding campaign is you have the power to leverage those people to say, hey, remember me? You bought this one thing? Go get another one for 50% off and you'll do me a huge favor by supporting the product. Oh, man. And you got people that are going to be like, man, in droves. Yeah, in droves, they're going to go. And so what I would do, if you, if you have the ability to segment all of those, all of those people, mm -hmm. I might only send, if you have a thousand backers, I might only send it to 200 people day one, 200 people day two, 200 people. So they don't all go there at once and, and they order 500 units. Oh, because right? how would that be a bad thing for so you? Well, I kind of want to drip. Okay, so it's more consistent as opposed um, to a spike and drop off. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, when, when this was first kind of coming, I guess, where it was becoming more common as far as launching products on Amazon, mm -hmm. it, it was effective to, to go in and get 100 sales in a day and automatically spike. Yeah. But Amazon's gotten you know, smart about that too. And they like consistent, consistency over time, not just a one big rush. That's so where I would say, different. Yeah, I would say – I would say spike it over time. You know, if you wanted to, if you knew that you wanted to get 20 units a day sold, well, then, you know, maybe give 50 the first day and then maybe do 20, 22, 25, 19 and scatter it however you want. But I, I would that. do it by, I mean, you can give uh, codes to people that they can get a, you know, a, a deep discount or even get it for free and it'll, it'll act as a verified review mm -hmm. uh, or a verified purchase. Yeah. So, um, so what I would do is I would just create a couple hundred codes and I would give out whatever, however many codes to however many people that raised their hand that they wanted a code. I'd send them the code and let them go purchase through Amazon. That's going to spike my, uh, my sales. It's going to spike the rank. And then over time, that's going to help me get on top. And if I get on top, I'm going to start getting natural sales through Amazon's channel. Yeah. Because you've optimized, because you've yep. hit that. And, and that's the key of, too, though. If yeah. you're, if you're selling a garlic press, you want garlic press somewhere in your title or you want garlic press somewhere in your bullets or your yeah. description. Um, you want good pictures. Like if it's not optimized and you do a launch like that, it's not going to work. Exactly. That was actually my next question is um, it's one thing to optimize for SEO on website, but how does optimizing an Amazon listing differ and what tools can you use to find out what you should be ranking for like keywords and whatever? Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious ones are there, right? If you're selling a stainless steel garlic press, you want stainless steel garlic press, right? Boom. I mean, that's it's pretty <laughs> simple, right? Um, but to get, but yeah, but but to get some, uh, I mean, look at your competition, look at what's on the surface, like look at their title, look at the bullets, look at the reviews, mm -hmm. dig through reviews. You'll you'll learn what people are complaining about their product as far as a co competition goes. You'll also hear how it's being used, how you might not have thought it's being used. So it could be being searched for by things you didn't even think about. Um, so that, that's another uh, little tip. Um, but the other, there, there's a tool out called uh, Keyword Inspector. Mm -hmm. 
And that keyword inspector tool, you can take the uh, the URL or even the ASIN. The, there's like a, a unique identifier to an Amazon listing. Yeah. You take that, that that ASIN, you plug it into this software. The software will go in and it'll tell you all of the keywords that it's indexed for that particular listing. Very cool. And you just play around with it and see what happens. Yep. Yep. And and then the the Amazon pay per click. Um, that's another way that you can discover keywords. Um, if you run an auto-targeted campaign, mm -hmm. um, Amazon will target keywords that they think are relevant to your product. Okay. And then you can then you can see that data. You can go, oh wow, I didn't realize that black-handled garlic press was one I should be targeting. Okay, very cool. Um, when it comes to like going from crowdfunding to Amazon, have you had any students go through that transition of crowdfunding to Amazon? Personally, or? not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, not not that I not that I know of, and it's not because uh, it's not happening. It's just because the people that I'm attracting are people that just want to get started selling something online. Yeah, side business or whatever. Yep. Because yep. I'm wondering if you would foresee any um, problems or specific areas that someone would struggle with when going from a Kickstarter to Amazon and that transition period. Um, not necessarily. I mean. Yeah. The thing is, too, is, I mean, if you have that crowdfunding, you know, Audience. list of people that backed it, that should be your leverage point. Mm -hmm. You know, that that really Absolutely. should be leverage. Having those people to be able to back you even further, um, raving fans, if you will, then that to me is that's a game changer in itself right there. Um, so I don't necessarily think that it would be a huge transition. And again, I think people should look at it as another channel to sell your product. Don't think it's the end end all thing, right? Uh, you know, in order to scale the business and not be just relying on one channel is to build your own channel. And that's from what we talked about building a Facebook, you know, ad campaign or an Instagram or whatever, and then driving people to an offer to then capture an email and then from there towards giving them content and yeah, pitches. Exactly. Um, one question, yeah. which I think we've may have covered, but I'm just going to ask it anyways. Um, is Amazon's fulfillment the cheapest or best option for a new e-commerce product based business with its own product? That, is it the cheapest? Yeah, would definitely say. No, I don't think it's the cheapest. Neither do I. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I think Amazon is probably more expensive, but you're paying for their traffic. Yeah. So can we just cover the um, cost breakdown of what goes into an Amazon listing once it sells? Like does that vary based on store, yeah. country, whatever? Yeah, it, it'll definitely vary. And it, there's a calculator. You can look it up, FBA calculator. Just look that up okay, and cool. you'll find it. And you can even put it in the show notes or whatever. But uh, yeah, you can just plug in the product, the category, and it'll tell you exactly what that would be once you sold that. So I mean the average generally, if you're selling a product for $20 – um, you're paying probably about $5 in FBA fees. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. I mean, at the end of the day, um, my friend who is on Amazon, he has about 40% profit after drop shipping and everything. So I'm a big yep. believer in getting them to handle as much of the fulfillment as possible. Um, Absolutely. But you're the expert. Not yeah, who me. wants to pack <laughs> Yeah, who, who wants to package 50, 50 units a day if they're selling 50 units a day and then bring them to the post office? I would. Right? You're either yeah. going to have to pay someone to do it or you're going to have to do it yourself or you can pay Amazon to do it. I have a friend who started a uh, sex toy subscription company that ended up doing really well. And oh, okay. when he first got started, he didn't do drop shipping. So he had like 
hundreds of boxes of dildos and other things shipped to his house and he was living with his mom at the time. And she's she's like, Hi honey, what's this? He's like, oh, nothing. So <laughs> you know. Uh, but just you don't want to be wrapping and handling no, that stuff. No, like, no, we want Amazon to take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say I had one last question because you gotta go soon. My question is what is one piece of advice you would give somebody who is starting on Amazon, regardless of if it's coming from crowdfunding or starting from scratch? Well, you know, I, it, it would be a little bit different. If I'm talking to someone that's crowdfunding, I would say just take your product and launch it and learn about how to optimize your listing and learn about Amazon pay-per-click. Those would be the things I would say. Like okay. you're not going to go through really product research no. because you've already done that and you, it's a product that you've already wanted to launch. So you're not going to go and say, what product do I want to launch? Now, you may want to do product research and see what other products you could spin off of that one product and then right. maybe accessories. That's another story. But I would say the biggest thing that I would tell anyone is think about a market that you want to serve, not just a product that you want to sell. Does that make that. sense? Yeah. So it's if it's a music product, music tech product, it would be the music community. Yes. Yeah. Well. well, and yes. even to be more more precise, if, if we're talking about a guitar player, we could have a guitar player that plays classical guitar. We could have a guitar player that plays 80s metal music, right? right. We've got two different two different people. So figure out the market. So that guitar player is going to need strings. They're going to need picks. They're going to need a uh, guitar strap. They're going to need an amplifier. They might need recording software. They might need all these different things. Yeah. That's a business. And that's really the way that I would say to think about when you're getting ready to start a business versus okay, what's the next trend I can jump in on to try to make uh, a fast dollar? Uh, yeah, because that's where you get longevity on the platform. Yeah, and yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. if you're building a brand that eventually to you, if you wanted to, you could, you could, uh, you know, you can exit that and, and make, a, you know, make a good profit on that. Yeah. That's another option if you're building something that's an asset versus just something that you're putting in and you're selling something to just turn a quick profit, yeah, which there's right. nothing wrong with that. By the way, you know, if you want to if you want to cash in on the fourth quarter with a toy because that's going to be hot, then go for it. Make that money, but then take that money and invest it into a brand. Yeah, it really just looks at looks at what your long term play is with the Amazon store. Is it a hobby or it, do you actually want to turn it into exactly. something? Yeah, exactly. No, fantastic. And that's where you'll get. Yeah. You'll, yeah and that's that's really where you'll get long term um, success, in my opinion. Okay. Really. Fantastic. Uh, Last two questions. Do you have any famous last words? Is one. Uh, well, one of them that I use all the time is take action. So take just action. Just just get started, you know. Um, and secondly, I would say, um, what was the second part of that? Oh, just famous last words. If you have one piece of random advice you wanted to give yeah. in general. like Yeah, I, I think that don't worry about making mistakes because you're going to make mistakes. And just you're going to be learning through that process. So just understand that moving into this thing and everything isn't going to be a home run. Anything that I've ever started all the way back to when my wife and I were in the photography business, I've learned so much. And uh, none of it really now even pertains to maybe that market, but I'm still taking that knowledge and moving it into the next project. Oh, I love it. And speaking of resources to help people minimize error but take action, where can people go for some of the teachings that you have? Yeah, uh, you can go right to the, the blog that I have and the podcast, theamazingseller.com. Okay. Very easy. Um, and then I've got a workshop that I do generally every Thursday, and that is theamazingseller.com forward okay. slash workshop. Awesome. I will put those in the show notes. Um, I think this is mandatory listening for anyone doing crowdfunding because 
you should not be looking short term when you crowdfund a physical product, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, this has been awesome. So, All right. Hey, thanks so I, much. I appreciate it. And guys, uh, thanks for listening to another episode. If you are in the middle of building your crowdfunding audience, I have a freebie on crowdfundinguncut.com, just uh, taking you through how to build your audience in five easy steps before you launch so that you can actually get funded. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like The Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.